so, as we talked about earlier, uh, today is the start of Advent. And I want to go ahead and read our scripture uh, before we get into the, <clears throat> the meat of the message this morning. If you have a Bible or if you want to draw your attention up here to the screen, it's coming out of the Gospel of Matthew, <clears throat> chapter 24, and we're going to be looking at verses 36 through 44. And y'all are going to have to forgive me. I, some, something weird is going on in my throat this morning, so... Matthew chapter 24, verses 36 through 44. Starting in verse 36. These are the words of Christ. But about that day or hour no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day that Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. This is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in a field, one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a hand mill, one will be taken and the other left. Therefore, keep watch. Because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come in an hour when you do not expect him. It's the word of God for the people of God. So yeah, today marks the first Sunday of the season of Advent. It also marks the, first, the beginning of the Christian New Year. We, we have a Christian calendar, if you guys aren't aware of that, and, and our new year kind of starts today with the season of Advent. And the first Sunday of Advent is all about the future coming of Christ. It's all about the future coming of Christ. But something that we need to realize this morning, and I want to drive home to you guys, is that Advent begins not in the light, but Advent begins in the dark. And I'm going to explain to you a little bit more about what I mean by telling you that. Advent begins absent of any light. You see, prior to the coming of Jesus, God had been strangely absent for a very, very long time, several hundred years, God was completely silent. And you can see that in our Bible. Several hundred, I think it was 400. Don't quote me on that. I'd have to go back and do my research. But I think it was about 400 years. Nothing. Complete silence on the part of God until the birth of Christ. A lot of stuff was going on in that day. But very, very similar to what we see going on in our world today. A lot of chaos. A lot of strife, a lot of darkness. And yet God was eerily silent. To a great degree, we continue to experience that absence of God even today. We live in a world that has gone awry. We live in a world where we can definitely see and view and experience the darkness around us. We live in that darkness today. And we ask ourselves as Christians, why is this? 
Why is there so much of this around us still today? If God has truly come in the person of Jesus Christ, why do so many terrible things still happen? Why do we still live in a dark world? Why so much war? Why so much violence? Why so much racial and political tension? <clears throat> These are all Advent questions. Just as God was absent before the coming of Christ, so he can seem so, so absent to us today. Why do we continue to experience all of this? Christians have been asking these questions for 2,000 years. The earliest Christians believed that Christ was coming very, very soon. And you see that in our Gospels. You see that in our epistles. That hasn't happened yet, as we all know. So we continue to live in this time between times. We see a little bit of light bursting through here and there, but we also see a lot of darkness. I don't think that was me. There's no easy answers. We don't know why. We don't know why God hides his face. We don't know why Jesus Christ delays on returning. We don't know why God allows mass suffering to continue. It's just stuff we don't want to talk about during the Christmas season. I, jumped, I joked around you guys a little bit this morning. I said Merry Christmas. <clears throat> this is stuff we don't want to talk about during the Christmas season. Guess what? This isn't the Christmas season. One thing that the church has done, and I, it's probably been, been going on for centuries, I don't know, but we've kind of, we kind of have, have um, integrated into the church a secular way of viewing Christmas. You know, as soon as Thanksgiving's over, or even before, we start celebrating Christmas. Christmas doesn't happen until the 25th of December. Between and prior to then, starting today, this is the season of Advent. This is a time of reflection. This is a time of looking forward to the once and the future coming of Christ. I would love for our Christian churches to actually start celebrating Advent again. For this time of reflection for this time of looking forward. But we don't want to do that. We want to, we want to, we want to, we want to jump right in there. We want to, we want to decorate the trees. We want to put the lights up. We want to, we want to throw the tinsel out. We want to light the candles. We want to be surrounded by the angels. I'm no different. Y'all have seen my house. We've got the reindeer in the yard. We've got the wreaths up. We've got the Christmas tree up and all the, all the stuff that goes along with it. So this is not generally stuff that we want to talk about once again during the Christmas season. But Advent is not for the faint of heart, which we discover today by reading our scriptures. And we're also going to discover in the coming weeks. Here's an interesting thing to note, by the way. Centuries ago, the original themes of the four weeks of Advent were not hope, peace, joy, and love. <clears throat> the medieval church designed those four weeks, those four Sundays, around the themes of death, judgment, heaven, and hell. Doesn't that sound like a Christmas party? And they would specifically preach on the subject of hell on the Sunday before Christmas. The idea was this, how to show that the light of Christ was, birth, was coming through the darkness in both his birth and his, in his return. Feel-good Christianity will have absolutely nothing to do with Advent. 
stuff that makes us want to feel good about ourselves all the time, this kind of Christianity, this pop Christianity, will have nothing to do with Advent and the darkness that we still experience. But as Christians, we've got something else. Despite the darkness, despite the chaos, despite 2,000 years waiting for Christ to return, <clears throat> we've got one thing. That right there. Hope, church. We have hope because we have promises. We have the promise of the return of Christ. We have the assurance from today's text in the Gospel of Matthew that God, that Christ is going to return to make all these things right. He's going to restore the chaos back into order. He's going to restore justice, and he's going to restore righteousness into this world that he created, and he is going to make it in the way that he created it to be. All of this will disappear. If we believe the words fully that are given to us in that book that we call the Bible, this is what we have in this time of darkness. We have this hope. We have this assurance. The first Sunday, as I mentioned, is not about the coming of Jesus as a baby. It's not about the stable in Bethlehem. No, it's about the second coming. It's about the second coming of Christ. Every now and then, we'll go through the Apostles' Creed. Hey, baby. <laughs> it's about the second coming of Christ. Every now and then, we'll go through our Apostles' Creed where we state that Christ is coming what? To judge the living and the dead. To judge the quick and the dead. It's all about God finally breaking through this darkness once and for all. Just as God kept his promises in the Old Testament, and we've talked about that a lot, by the way, in our Sunday school class this past three months. We've been going through the book of Genesis, and we've been talking about God's promises to Abraham, Jacob, Joseph, and how he always, always, always fulfilled those promises. Even though they may not have lived to experience the fulfillment of them, God always kept his promises, and he's going to keep this promise here. We can rest assured that he's going to keep this covenant with us. As I said earlier in the sermon, in a very real sense, the church, the church of Christ, lives in this time between times. And really, that's what Advent is all about. It's this time between times. It's this time between the first coming of Jesus and the second coming of Jesus. And how, yes, even though our world is dark, we, and we experience the darkness, and we see the darkness, and in and, and all honesty, church, we, we tend to focus more on the darkness, don't we? We tend to focus more on what's wrong around us as opposed to what's right around us. That was a freebie. But the light is breaking in. The kingdom of God is breaking in. We talked about that months ago when I first started at Bemis, what the kingdom of God is. That the kingdom of God was brought to earth, was started on earth with the, come, the first coming of Jesus. And we can experience that today. We are in that time between times. And even though we're surrounded by darkness, we can see that light coming in. And one day it's going to be fulfilled. To be a Christian is to live every day of our lives in solidarity with those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. But we also live in the unshakable hope of those who expect the dawn. That's a quote by a priest, named, a Anglican priest named Fleming Rutledge. 
I'm sure most of y'all have heard the scripture from Matthew that we went over this morning. More than likely. There's a lot of interpretations of this particular scripture. I happen to believe, and a good portion of Christians happen to believe, this passage pertains to the future coming of Christ. I just I, I can't read that and, 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 and see how it does not refer to the future coming of Christ, especially when we consider other passages in the Gospel of Matthew, other passages uh, that are very, very similar in Acts chapter 1, other passages that are very, very similar in the epistle of uh, Thessalonians. Three things are notable. Three things are very, very notable here in our passage today through the words of Jesus when it comes to the future coming of Christ. Number one, nobody knows when this is going to occur. Nobody knows except the Father when this is going to occur, and Christ himself says that in our scripture today. Folks, I am 45 years old, and I don't know how many preachers, how many evangelists, how many televangelists, how many self-proclaimed Christians there in my lifetime have told us that Christ was going to come back on a particular date and time. How about you guys? How many times have we heard? Y'all remember Y2K? Remember that? Yeah. Remember 2012, the whole Aztec calendar thing? Multiple times. Guess what? Not a one of them was right. <laughs> I don't buy into this, and I just tell you not to. I, I ask you, no, don't buy into this. Don't even speculate about it. Why would we even speculate about such? It doesn't matter. God knows when Christ is coming back. Today, our job is, to, is just to live as if he is. As we, know the, as, the, as we have the knowledge that he is indeed coming back. Our job today is to live in that kingdom of God that I talked about earlier. We know what the future is going to look like. It's going to mimic the creation that God started where everything was perfect, where love was perfect, where everything on earth was without strife, was without evil, was without darkness. We know that's coming. Our job is not to speculate when Christ is coming, but to live as if that world exists today. To live as if that world exists today. Secondly, the thing that we can glean from the scripture is that life will go on to the last minute. Life will go on to the last <clears throat> minute. What does that mean? It's, again, kind of nobody knows. And it, kinda, it goes along with our third point that Christ gives us. Families and colleagues will be divided. Families and colleagues will be divided. And that's a major teaching of Scripture, by the way. I don't know where Christ talks about that. Uh, but there's a portion of Scripture where, where Christ says, you know, I, I came not to bring peace but a sword. Y'all remember that? Y'all remember that? Christ is talking about dividing families there. You know, we're going to have non-Christians in our families. And that's just the way it is. I don't, I don't say that with a, with a lack of compassion by any stretch of the imagination. But our Christianity divides us from portions of our families. And certainly we're going to be divided, unfortunately, upon the return of Christ. Jesus' main point, if I had to say anything about these scriptures, the main point of Christ today, as far as these scriptures go, stay awake, stay alert, and keep watch. Stay awake, stay alert, keep watch. I got that on our sign out front. Keep watch for the Lord. We're going to focus on anything here on this first week of Advent. Keep watch for the Lord. 
and ask yourselves these questions. Are you awake? Are you awake today, church? Are you keeping watch? Are you living your lives? Are we living our lives truly as Christ followers? Are we living our lives truly as Christ followers? Or do we just kind of go through the motions of church attendance? Showing up from time to time. Basically living our lives like everybody else. Here I go back into one of my discipleship sermons. Are we awake? Are we alert? Are we living as Christ followers to the degree that people can look at us and say, that man, that woman, is a disciple of Jesus Christ. That is a person who exudes the qualities that I read about in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I wish I could remember some of the some of the verse from that first song because it goes right along with this, Kevin. Are we living as Christ followers? Are we alert, keeping watch, caring for the world around us? Here's something I've never understood, and I'm going to wrap up pretty soon, y'all. This is the earliest I've wrapped up in almost six months. Just to let y'all know. <clears throat> something that's always confused me is, is I've, I've never understood, I guess I do to a degree, why we use why the church uses the future coming of Christ to literally scare the hell out of people. I've never I've never gotten that. But y'all have heard those sermons, y'all y'all have heard those preachings, y'all y'all have heard the, the, the evangelists where they talk about the second coming of Christ and the end of the world, those types of things. Trying to scare people. Trying to scare people, I guess into salvation. I don't know. I've got to question whether or not fear-based salvation is actually salvation in the first place. But why would we do that? Why would we use what is really a beautiful, beautiful thing to try to scare the mess out of people? I've never gotten that. Why would we make something ugly about something gorgeous when the world is going to be restored and when things are going to you know, become what they should be, the way that God created them to be? When we think about the second coming of Christ, this should bring us joy. This should bring us great joy. It should not a fire in us today to be the kind of people that do the things that Jesus said do. To be the people that Jesus said be right here and right now. To love God. Love others with that agape, self-sacrificing love. It should motivate us to seek justice when justice is needed. It should motivate this, and I'm so proud. Y'all, I'm so proud and happy to, to know that I've got that we have so many people in our church who are so caring about the marginalized in our community. I've had so many people come up to me recently wanting to reach out to help people, and that's a beautiful thing. That is an example of what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And it makes me so, so very happy when people tell me these stories. The second coming of Christ should motivate us to be those people. That's the world we're headed for. That's the world that we're headed for. It's not this, let's go scare everybody to death. It's this beautiful creation. This reboot, if you will, of God setting all these things right. This is what we're headed for, and Advent prompts us to anticipate that. Even through the darkness, Advent prompts us to anticipate that world that will be realized 
Christ comes again to renew all these things. Kevin, y'all can come on up, brother. Advent people are those who recognize the darkness in the world, but don't dwell on the darkness in the world. Y'all follow me? Advent people recognize the ugliness, the chaos, the violence, the strife, but we live through that. We see through that. We see the light that is coming, and then we become the light here on earth. We show people what's going to happen with the future coming of Jesus Christ, despite all this ugliness, all this evil around us. Just like Christ is going to break through at some point to create, make all things new, our job on earth is to break through and to be that light in this darkness. That is what an Advent people look like. Theologian and pastor N.T. Wright kind of summed it up like this. He said, people who believe in God making a whole new world in which everything will be set right at last are unstoppably motivated to work for that new world in the present. I hope that makes sense. People who believe that God is coming to make a whole new world in which everything's going to be set right are unstoppably motivated to work for that new world in the here and now, in the present. Advent begins in the dark, but the light is coming. In this time between times, that's who we are. That's who we are. We are the light in the darkness. I'm going to open up the altar for anybody who would like to come forward and pray. For any, any reason. <laughs> if you just want to come converse with God on your own, if you need me to pray with you and for you, I'd love to. The altar is open.